Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Ropp, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights and to the Gnostic Reformation on Substack. Before we begin this week, I'd like to remind you that I am not here to teach you Gnosis. I'm here to help you remember the Gnosis that you were born with. According to the Tripartite Tractate, we were all born with a remembrance of the Father and the ethereal plane above, but we tend to forget it, being trapped here in this material cosmos and the never-ending war against the imitation and the deficiency. So don't think that you're learning something here. Think of it more like you are remembering. And that's why I explain everything so step-by-step and so logically, so that you will be able to grasp it, and it will trigger for you your own gnosis. So, you know, for the past few weeks, we've been reviewing episodes that were recorded back in 2021. And what I'd like to do for you today is actually read for you a chapter, chapter five, out of my new book, A Simple Explanation of the Gnostic Gospel of the Tripartite Tractate, which puts all of this information together in a more cogent manner, because I really worked on the book for a long time. So here's chapter five of my new book, A Simple Explanation of the Gnostic Gospel of the Tripartite Tractate, and it is called the fall of Logos, and the rise of the deficiency. So you can compare this to what we've been hearing now for the past few weeks. Here it goes. So far in our unfolding of the Gnostic Gospel, we've discussed the origin and nature of the Father as the originating consciousness. We've discussed the Son, which was the first localization of the Father. We have discussed the Son manifesting his various attributes, known as the All. We've moved beyond the All and discussed how the totalities of the All became self-aware individuals with their own points of view and sorted themselves into the hierarchy of the fullness. Each eon is an individual with an ego and a self who is also an integral part of the larger pleroma of the fullness. Logos was the final eon conceived by the fullness, and this singular being possessed the blueprint of all of the personalities, proclivities, powers, and positions arrayed in the fullness. Logos embodied all of these aeons of the fullness as smaller fractal iterations within his pleroma. As we covered in chapter 4, it came to pass that the eon named Logos mistook himself for the original pleroma of the Son of God, confusing the small fractal copies within himself were the totality of the fullness. Feeling the fullness of glory within himself, Logos decided to give glory to the source of his awakening and launched himself from the hierarchy in an attempt to reconnect directly with the Father. 
Logos believed his will was sufficient to reach the Father without adding the will of the united fullnesses to his own. The problem with Logos striking out on his own was that the fullness always worked as one body, even though it consisted of an infinite number of individual eons. Because Logos had been placed at the very tip-top of the hierarchy, he mistook his will for that of the fullness and imagined he could, all by himself, build the paradise that was being dreamt by the fullness. Logos understood all of the plans and he possessed all of the necessary talents because he carried within himself fractal copies of every eon. However, without the willing support of the fullness, Logos was unable to give proper glory to the Father. We have previously discussed that giving glory means focused praise and wondrous adoration of the object of devotion. The eons were only supposed to give glory to the Father and not to themselves or each other. But Logos looked down and beheld his own identity and thought he was complete enough to ignore the rules and offer glory on his own. The tripartite tractate says, quote, The Logos himself caused it to happen, being complete and unitary, for the glory of the Father whom he desired, and he did so being content with it. But those whom he wished to take hold of firmly he begot in shadows and copies and likenesses, for he was not able to bear the sight of the light, but he looked into the depth and he doubted. That's verse 77. As Logos reached for the Father, Logos stumbled and fell, shattering himself to bits. We refer to this as the original fall. It's not Eve handing Adam an apple in the Garden of Eden. This is the fall, Logos reaching for the Father, stumbling, and falling into the depth of darkness. Quote, his self-exaltation and his expectation of comprehending the incomprehensible became firm for him and was in him. But the sicknesses followed him when he went beyond himself, having come into being from self-doubt, namely from the fact that he did not reach the attainment of the glories of the Father, the one whose exalted status is among things unlimited. This one did not attain him, for he did not receive him. End quote. Verse 77. Logos had not realized the impossibility of approaching the illimitable consciousness of the Father. Logos could not attain him because the Father did not receive him. Because of his self-exaltation, another good synonym for ego, Logos fully expected to reach the Father and to reproduce his own glorious reflection that would populate a new paradise of emanations based upon himself. In other words, ego's opinion was not based on reality or truth, only upon his high opinion of his own capabilities. Abandoning the aeonic rules and his brothers in the fullness, Logos went beyond himself, and this overreach brought the sickness of self-doubt onto his soul. Prior to this time, every eon's core self was in perfect harmony with its ego, and their ego's function was to put into practice the will of the self, the fullness, and the father. Now, Self-doubt replaced the ineffable joy of the fullness. The division of the deeply troubled Logos was the first manifestation of ego acting outside of the will of the one self and the fullness. The fall was caused by an active ego falling away from the self. 
The tripartite tractate calls the ego presumptuous thought. And isn't that what egoic thought is? It's presumptuous, meaning going beyond what is right and proper. Egoic thought places the focus of thought on one's own desires without regard to others. What am I going to do? Presumptuous thought is all about me, me, me. The eons of the fullness are not me-type creatures. The eons all live for one another in perfect harmony. The presumptuous thought of the ego of Logos arrogantly presumed that he was going to build the paradise the eons dreamt of and populate it with his own emanations. But Logos was inadequate to the task, and he produced instead shadows, copies, and likenesses of the fullness. Verse 78 says, quote, Like the pleromas are the things which came into being from the arrogant thought, which are there, that is the pleromas, likenesses, copies, shadows, and phantasms, lacking reason and the light, those which belong to the vain thought, since they are not products of anything. End quote. Here the ego of Logos is characterized as vain thought, and the copies produced by the fall are nothing but likenesses, shadows, and apparitions. The tripartite tractate says these likenesses are not products of anything, indicating that unlike all of the other entities that came before, these imitations are not true emanations of consciousness proceeding from the Father through the Son and on through the fullness. These shadows were conjured up out of nothing and do not contain the Holy Spirit of the Father. They are flat, without depth, like a mirror image relative to the object it reflects. In my illustrations, I picture the little pyramid of Logos sitting on top of the big pyramid and then launching itself out toward the light of the all-encompassing Father above. But instead of going up, Logos takes a nosedive and goes down. That's why it's called the fall. In my mind, I picture Logos smashing into bits. This is metaphorical language, of course, because there isn't anything to smash against because there is no material. Like a dry clump of sand, the pleroma of Logos just crumbles apart. Only now, because they are shadows, the bits of Logos are no longer little golden balls. My illustrations depict the shadows of Logos as super dark blue balls rolling out and spreading forth in chaos. The tripartite tractate says, quote, Because of this, he suffered a division and a turning away. From the faltering and the division came oblivion and ignorance of oneself and of that which is. End quote. Verse 77. The forgetfulness and ignorance of himself and of that which is becomes a defining characteristic of the ego's relationship to the self. The ego of Logos becomes entirely estranged from its better self. All that remains of Logos down here below is the shell of his broken ego and an infinite number of ego-ridden dark blue balls scattering in all directions. This ego, divided from its self, has total amnesia of Logos, the fullness, and the father. It recognizes nothing but its own presumptuous thought. The act of the beautiful eon reaching for the father out of love, stumbling, falling, and breaking apart into dark, chaotic imitations, produces the imitation of the deficiency. In Gnostic thought, this deficiency is our material universe. 
Logos was aghast at what had happened, and the best part of Logos, his self, and the self-aware fractals of his pleroma, fled the scene and returned to its family in the fullness. The tripartite tractate says, quote, the one whom he himself brought forth as a unitary eon rushed up to that which is his, and this kin of his in the pleroma abandoned him who came to be in the defect, along with those who had come forth from him in an imaginary way, since they are not his. End quote. The governing self of Logos is the unitary eon that abandoned his ego down below and rushed back up to his brothers in the fullness. The perfect self of Logos, stripped of its wayward ego, reunited with the pleroma of the fullness. The fullness abandoned the imitation and the copies and phantoms that had rolled out below because they had no part in their creation. The eons were unable to relate to the chaos because they only knew cooperation. Quote, Therefore, their end will be like their beginning, from that which did not exist, they are to return once again to that which will not be. Speaking of the shadows. It is they, however, by themselves, who are greater, more powerful, and more honored than the names which are given to them, which are their shadows. And that's speaking of the eons. In the manner of a reflection are they, the shadows, beautiful. For the face of the copy normally takes its beauty from that of which it is a copy. That's verses 78 and 79. End quote. This passage promises that the imitation's time is limited. Its end will be like its beginning, because it is not an emanation from the Father. Therefore, its home is not above in the fullness. At some point, this material cosmos will evaporate. The passage also describes the shadows as beautiful in the manner of a reflection. The imitations resemble the eons upon whom they are modeled but is a, only a surface resemblance, lacking the depth of the Father's consciousness. They may possess the names and faces of the egos of the original eons, but they are not true fractals of the originals, because they lack the one self that all eons share. They are merely mirrored likenesses of the fractals contained within Logos. We can imagine it this way. When we watch a movie, we see actors projected onto a screen, Yet we realize that the actors are not really there in front of us. We know we are only seeing the flickering phantoms of their projected images. The phantoms of the deficiency are similar. They are projected simulations of the fullness. Since the eons of the fullness represent the perfection of paradise, the shadows project a poor facsimile of that paradisical realm onto this material cosmos. When Logos overreached because of presumptuous thought and fell out of knowledge into the darkness of ignorance, he shattered into a confusing jumble of disconnected parts. These pieces of the shattered eon were sicknesses, small, dark, ignorant, divided, and roiling with chaos. They reflected neither the glory of the originals in the fullness nor the cooperative ecology of the hierarchy. And because they were no longer arranged in the pattern of the hierarchy, they were clueless about their functions and their names. All that remained was ignorance and chaos. Here's how the tripartite tractate describes the nature of the shadows and the reaction of Logos to what happened. Quote, the Logos was a cause of those who came into being, and he continued all the more to be at a loss, and he was astonished. 
Instead of perfection, he saw defect. Instead of unification, he saw division. Instead of stability, he saw disturbances. Instead of rest, tunnels. Neither was it possible for him to make them cease from loving disturbance, nor was it possible for him to destroy it. He was completely powerless once his totality and his exaltation abandoned him. End quote. Verse 80. In other words, immediately after the fall, chaos reigned supreme. The bits and pieces and powers could not work together because they came from the isolated will of the fallen ego and not from the cooperative structure of the hierarchy. In scientific terms, we could say that entropy was high in the beginning. Each bit of the fallen eon was isolated and unstable like quantum foam, reflecting the broken ego of Logos after the fall. The verse also says that Logos was completely powerless once his totality and his exaltation abandoned him. That is to say, the totality and exaltation of the self of Logos abandoned his ego to the fall. Totality is another word for a fullness or pleroma as a unified entity. And the entity that was Logos abandoned the results of the fall. Exaltation means high praise, and there was no praise for the shadows of the imitation. Quote, Those who had come into being, not knowing themselves, both did not know the pleromas from which they came forth, and did not know the one who was the cause of their existence. End quote. Verse 80. So, in addition to being unable to relate to others, these small imitations of the fallen ego of Logos did not even recognize the pleroma of Logos out of which they arose, much less have any inkling of the self that had abandoned the pleromas of the fullness and the all. The tripartite tractate goes on to say, quote, The Logos, being in such unstable conditions, did not continue to bring forth anything like emanations, the things which are in the pleroma, the glories which exist for the honor of the Father. Rather, he brought forth little weaklings, hindered by the illnesses by which he too was hindered. It was the likeness of the disposition which was a unity, that which was the cause of the things, which do not themselves exist from the first. End quote. Verses 80-81 The products of the fallen eon's ego are again contrasted with the original models in the hierarchy. They were nothing like the emanations that came forth from the eons. Because the ego of Logos was itself extremely unstable, chaotic, entropic, and ignorant of what came before, the bits that fell out subsequent to the fall were also chaotic, entropic, and ignorant of all that came before. The eons of the fullness are facets of the Son of God, and the Son, being an emanation of the Father, exists from the beginning. So the originating consciousness is that which exists from the beginning, and its offspring is the sun, and the sun's offspring is the all, and the hierarchy of the fullness. These things that came out of Logos did not exist from the beginning because they are a product of the fall, and once the fall occurred, there is a line in history where the things that exist from the beginning are before the fall, and the simulations that come into existence as a result are after the fall. These would be the deficiencies of the imitation, the small, feeble knockoffs of the originals in the fullness. This passage says, 
that although the little weaklings had the likeness of the disposition that was a unity, they did not exist before the fall, which is to say that the imitations of the deficiency were unable to fake the unity of the fullness. Because Logos had been reaching for the heights when he fell, the imitation born of the fall continued to be motivated by a desire to reach the unreachable. But now that upward drive was divorced from the goal of reaching for the glory of reunification with the Father. The goal became domination. With no recall of who or what came before, this upward drive was entirely egoic for those of the imitation had no cooperative arrangement amongst themselves. What had been an upward drive to unite the pleroma of Logos with the Father became an upward striving arising out of each singleton, not for the glory of the Father, but for the vain glory of the individual. Vain glory means false glory. The tripartite tractate says, quote, They wanted to command one another overcoming one another in their vain ambition, while the glory which they possess contains a cause of the system which was to be. They are likenesses of the things which are exalted. They were brought to a lust for power in each one of them, according to the greatness of the name of which each is a shadow, each one imagining that it is superior to its fellows. End quote, verse 79. So while the deficiencies lacked the aeonic attributes of the fullness, they did display an imitation of those attributes. True cooperation replaced by egoic striving. Glory to the Father replaced by vainglory. They did not know their place, station, or duty, and so they each believed themselves to be numero uno. They were all characterized by a lust for power worthy of the greatness of their namesake as if a sports fan were to mistake their own abilities for those of the athlete they most admire. In this manner, egoic striving for vain glory replaced glorious longing for the Father. Ambition replaced God's will. The likenesses of the presumptuous thought as they came to be known recognized neither Logos nor the Father as their progenitor. Quote, they thought of themselves that there are beings existing by themselves and are without a source, since they do not see anything else existing before them. Therefore, they lived in disobedience and acts of rebellion, without having humbled themselves before the one because of whom they came into being. End quote. Verse 79. All of our egos have a choice to cooperate with the self or to deny the self and stake a narcissistic claim to consciousness. Since this ego of Logos was unaware of its origin as the Logos of the fullness in the Father, it believed it was its own originating consciousness. Hence, everything that it produced was similarly ignorant of and disobedient to the Father and the fullness. In this manner, the deficiency took on an imitation of life on its own, becoming the cause of things that do not exist on their own account. These descriptions of the shadows and imitations of the deficiency relate to our manifested cosmos on many levels. The imitations arising from the fallen ego of Logos constitute everything in this universe we have come to know, from the particles that make up the material of the physical cosmos to the imitations of truth that pass for knowledge. In our next chapter, we will look at how Logos and the fullness sought to bring order to the chaos of the deficiency 
and how their efforts became a new economy. So that is a copyrighted chapter out of my book, A Simple Explanation of the Gnostic Gospel of the Tripartite Tractate. And as I've mentioned to you before, I do currently have a very inexpensive version of the book that was a pre-publication version that I edited myself, and it's in black and white in order to keep the cost down. However, the deluxe color edition being published by a publisher called Christian Faith Publishing, which ought to be able to get this into Christian bookstores, that's my hope, as well as the secular bookstores that my work now appear on, that will be priced at around $30 a copy, and that's set by the publisher. I don't have anything to do with that. I have reduced my own royalty to practically nothing. I mean, literally nothing. So I want to help spread this word. I hope this made good sense to you and that it has brought some understanding to the previous couple of episodes. Please let me know what you think of this. Write back to me in the comments on the Substack or send me a contact comment through my contact form at GnosticInsights.com. God bless us all and onward and upward.